Uh, we've been in this series on the psalms that our second week. Last week was Psalm 1. And Psalm 1 being the first psalm really is, um, it really is the foundation for what the rest of the psalms are really about. What the rest of the psalms uh, presume is that the reader's already grounded in Psalm 1. And Psalm 1 talks about uh, delighting in the law of the Lord day and night. And if you delight in the law of the Lord day and night, uh, you'll begin to see what an emotionally healthy, full, whole life can really be as you get into the rest of the book. And so today we're, we're going to be uh, looking at Psalm uh, 131. Let me read it together. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. The word of the Lord. Uh, I'm preaching this uh, here on Thursday afternoon, and this morning uh, I started writing most of what I'll say today, thinking about it a good bit, uh, and I woke up a little bit before 7 today. And so about 6.45 to 9 o'clock, there were a lot of things that I tried to figure out. The first thing I tried to figure out is how to get uh, one of my friend's transportation. And then I started thinking about how do I become a person of peace as a Christian in the midst of all this racial injustice. And shortly after that, I said, I mean, how, I need to figure out how to lead my family. I need to figure out how to lead our church, lead our neighborhood in the matters of racial injustice. And then I started thinking about, can I afford uh, to, to, to redo my back porch? If I can afford it, what, what should it look like? And then I started thinking about the pandemic. How are we going to go back to church in the pandemic? How are we going to have a morning service at some point in the future? How do I break the news to my close friends and family that we're still uncomfortable breaking out of quarantine? And lastly, what do I do about these bumpy, itchy spots on my arms and my back? There's a lot of stuff I tried to figure out. And that was just in two hours. This is going to be a long day. And maybe you can relate. What, what would your list look like? I just listed out all the things I'm trying to figure out. What are all things you're trying to figure out? And now that I've written them down, now that I've voiced them out loud, they sound pretty silly. Do I really think I can figure any of this out? And who said it was my job to figure it out anyways? Well, it's not my job. And frankly, to think that it's my job is evidence of my pride. I've thought too highly of myself. I don't really understand the proper relationship that I, I should take with God. I don't, I don't naturally think that the proper relationship that I should have with God is one of dependence. See, my relationship with God and yours too, it's not one between equals. But your relationship with God is one of subordination. It's one of trust. It's one of dependence. And that's really good news. It's good news that I don't have to run my life. It's good news that I don't have to figure everything out. It's good news that you don't run your life. It's good news that you don't have to figure everything out. 
It's good news that all of us find our rightful and yes, even joyful relationship with God to be one of dependence. And in Psalm 131, what we read at the beginning of this is, what it does is it shows us what a life of independence looks like in verse 1. In verse 1, David has posed three different statements in the negative. But as you read the psalm, you can infer that if you were to put them in the positive, then you would see what I call the disease of independence in full form. It shows up in a variety of ways. First, the heart's lifted up. Second, the eyes are raised too high. And lastly, the mind is occupied with things too great and too marvelous. And when we see the heart here in Psalm 131, it's talking about the seat of your emotions. And when you see the eyes, it's talking about behavior. Because where your eyes go in life, your behavior is likely to follow. And then it talks about occupying oneself with things that are too great, too marvelous. So that's really talking about your thought life. So when you live a life of independence, it wreaks havoc on your emotions, your heart. You become very volatile. When you live a life of independence, you, your behavior is very selfish because you want to get all the glory for keeping all the different plates spinning. And then your thought life, you're totally preoccupied by trying to solve for all the unknowns and all the contingencies. So doesn't the disease of independence sound pretty miserable? Well, it sounds like my whole life. So I told you about the dry patches on my skin. The first one popped up right at the beginning of quarantine. And now I'm up to like 10 uh, between my shoulders and back. And I've tried everything. I've just tried plain old hand lotion. I've tried aloe. Uh, I've, looked, I've researched some stuff on WebND. I bought some over-the-counter cream from CVS. I've even tried to scratch them things off, and nothing works. In fact, the harder I tried to do something about them, the worse they got. And so finally, yesterday, I caved, and I went to the doctor, and, and she gave me some steroid cream. I think it's going to work like magic. But doesn't that sound somewhat familiar? You try to solve for all your problems, and the harder you try, the worse it gets. See, here's what the Psalms do. Here's what Psalm 131 will do to you. It makes you, in verse 1, makes you ask questions. It makes you ask, is my heart lifted up? Are my eyes raised too high? Am I occupying myself with things that are too big for me to try to figure out? And see, what the Psalms do is they identify our lived experience so that when we read the Psalms, when we hear the Psalms, we begin to say, that's me. The Psalmist just put words to what my life is like right now. And when it does that, you begin to ask other questions like, what do I do? What do I do now that I've been identified as someone who's living independent from God? Now that I'm convinced that I can't help myself, how do I move forward? Well, verse 2 tells us. Verse 2 tells us what happens when we receive help from the Lord. 
And verse two gives us a picture. It gives us a picture of what happens when we give up trying to fix our lives and plan for things that are out of our control. And it tells us we become calm and quieted. And the word picture is beautiful, isn't it? We saw it in the work of art that Megan Nesbitt did in her painting. It's just an image of the words of verse 2. And Megan did a magnificent job capturing the flood of quiet and calm that comes over us when we become like a weaned child with a nurturing, attentive, strong parent. See, a weaned child with its mother is one that is calm and quiet. See, an unweaned child needs his or her mother for sustenance. The child can be quite fussy when they're hungry and can only be relaxed when the child's belly is full. But then, once the child is weaned, the child can come to his mother for comfort whenever they are panicked and can be embraced by their mother so that they might be quieted and calmed. And see, as Christians, what it means for us to be faithful is to be like a small child. There's no inclination of autonomy. And when we gladly submit our, our, to our Father, when we're free of anxiety, then we've given up trying to be God in our own lives. And see, you can only be free when you've given up on being independent. See, real gospel maturity is not growing up, but growing down into a child. Sounds really hard. See, all the pathways of our hearts that are hardwired to see problems and run off to begin solving them. And so to create new pathways that see problems, and instead of us trying to run off and solve them, but to stop and pray, that's a radical shift that our heart has to take. For instance, Jen and I, just this past week, we began to talk about what, what is the life for our family going to look like if schools don't go back as normal in the fall? Or, or what's our life in our family going to look like if they do start in the fall and at some point shut back down and homeschool is instituted? And so we, we came up with a pretty good plan, I think. But you know what we didn't do as we talked all that out? We didn't pray. You know, all these matters of racial injustice uh, the last few weeks and really for me the last few years since our church has started, when I begin to be overwhelmed by them, the first thing I do is I buy a book and I start reading it. I start reading articles. I start having conversations. That's what, it, and all those things are important. We're not going to make any progress in any of this if we're not reading, we're not having conversations. But you know what I don't do first, and you know what I don't do much of when it comes to racial injustice? I don't pray very much. So what's going to get us out of solve it mode where our hearts are? are lifted up, where our eyes are raised, where we're preoccupied trying to make for plans. How are we going to get out of that solvent mode? And how are we going to get into being a calmed, quieted, weaned child? What's the secret? We see it in verse 3. Verse 3 says, Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. 
See, this psalm, the whole thing, all three verses are really about our heart's view of the future. We can be fearful and take the reins and our lives will look like the opposite of verse 1. Or we can be hopeful and give them to God. See, what hope does is it opens us up to receive gifts from our caring Father. We begin to see him fix the things that we're going to fix in our own strength. And we see him do that time and time again, and we more quickly submit to him. We more quickly become calm and quiet. All because we have put our hope in an all-powerful, all-caring Heavenly Father. And brothers and sisters, our hope is sure. Jesus Christ has risen again from the dead. And when Jesus rose again from the dead, that was the first domino to fall to living in a new world. The second domino to fall was when we received the Holy Spirit. Now, not all the dominoes are going to fall, but we know we have images of what life's going to be like when all the dominoes have fallen. That's what the book of Revelation is all about. Now, we have lots of pictures, but I want to, I want to bring out two. Revelation 7. Revelation 7 has all tribes, nations, and tongues gathered before Jesus. Now, all tribes, nations, and tongues, what that's really talking about are people from all different cultures, all different languages, all different nationalities, and in spite of their difference, they sing a song, the same song, to the same Savior. And then Revelation chapter 21, you see a new city come down where God dwells with his people. And in this city, there will be no more tears for racial injustice. In this city, there will be no death, no death from the coronavirus, no death from cancer, no death from heart problems. And in this new city, there will be no mourning. There will be no pain from systemic injustice. See, all the former things that characterize the worst things about our previous world, they're going to pass away. See, here's what hope does. Hope begs God to bring that world, the one picture of Revelation chapter 7 and 21, it begs God to bring that world into this one. Now, it's true that we can't expect for this to happen fully until the new city comes down to earth, but we can ask God to bring this world about in degrees. We can ask God to help us hold on until everything's all right. We can ask God to help us not lose hope. And I think the more we ask and the more we hope, the more that our hearts will be lowered. The more that our eyes will not be lifted high, the more that we won't be preoccupied by trying to figure out the things that we're not meant to figure out. And the more we hope, the more we'll be like a wean child with its mother, that will be calmed and quieted because we have the assurance that all things are going to be made new in the end. And it's not our job to fix it. Let's pray, the, let's pray together.
Oh, Father, we, we know that it isn't our job to fix it. We know that it's yours. But we know that because you rose again from the dead, that you can bring about change, at least in, degree, in degrees. Lord, that you can call us into action. And Lord, when we call into action, we know that we're not the ones trying to force it. But we know we're being empowered by you. And so, Lord, help us know. Help us to know to, to, to take action without taking all the responsibility, how we can take action with the power that you give us. Oh, Lord Jesus, convince us that we are no good at running our lives. And so, Lord, we put our hope in you. In Christ's name, amen.